Welcome to the Ghost Rap Podcast. It's fast, it's fun, it's informative. This is your weekly dose of the news that matters on the markets with your host, the Finance Ghost. For more details on these stories and to make sure you get daily updates, visit ghostmail.co.za. The Ghost Rap Podcast is proudly brought to you by Mazars, a leading international audit, tax and advisory firm with a national footprint within South Africa. Bola Metcalf is a perfect example of a local small cap that has used share buybacks properly. Our small companies on the local market tend to trade on equally small multiples, unfortunately, so companies can buy back their own shares at an attractive earnings yield. This is why Bola Metcalf has practically turned water into wine when it comes to headline earnings per share. Group net profit is actually lower than it was four years ago, despite revenue being 32% higher, so margins have come under huge pressure. But despite this, headline earnings per share, or HEPs, has increased because there are 15% fewer shares in issue now than there were in 2019. This really is a picture-perfect example of how share buybacks drive value for shareholders when they are done properly. City Lodge has reported a headline profit for the year ended June 2023 and after the horror show of the pandemic, that must be such a relief for all involved. Permanent damage was done to the company by the pandemic, with capital needing to be raised on the market and operations needing to be streamlined. If you held City Lodge from before the pandemic, you will probably never recoup those losses. But the future does look okay from current levels, with important improvements made to the operating model and far more business being done in person now rather than on Zoom or Teams. HEPs for the year is between 29.6 and 31.3 cents, with the share price currently at around 4 and 90. Now, I've not shared the enthusiasm of many other punters on Twitter or X as it's now called, because that is a pretty high earnings multiple in my view. And I must say, I don't buy the argument that if something is trading well below its replacement value, then suddenly it's a bargain. In reality, unless those assets are capable of earning great returns, then why would anyone replace them? In which case, why does the replacement value really matter? From the smaller companies on the local market, we now head to a couple of big guns with ShopRite front and center here. I've been calling them the Brackenfell Bruisers and I have it on good authority that they like that. It's a name well earned because they really are dishing out a hiding to competitors. Across the consumer income curve, ShopRite's banners or store formats are resonating. Checkers is up 18%, ShopRite and YouSave up 15.6%. But step aside because the turquoise scooter gun is coming through with sales at 6060 up by a ridiculous 81.5%. I cannot think of a more iconic South African product of the pandemic than this business. Ghostrap is quick and 6060 is only slightly slower. But sadly, the amazing revenue performance has really been blunted by our dear friends at ESCOM. Headline earnings per share, that's up just 9.6% and the dividend 10.5%, a very uninspiring outcome, especially when group revenue was up by 16.9%, which is so strong. This is why the share price, which trades at a pretty high multiple, had a rough response to these numbers, dropping roughly 5% despite such great turnover growth. Over 12 months, the share price is up around 10%, and were it not for ESCOM, it would be so much better. All that management can do is focus on what they can actually control. And before I move on from grocery retail, a very heartfelt note of condolences to anyone who knew Raymond Ackerman. Truly a South African business icon and someone who you'll almost never hear anyone say anything bad about. He leaves behind him an incredible legacy in the way he did business, even if pick and pay at the moment is having a tough time. 
The next big gun is the Fashini Group, with a trading update released for the 22 weeks to 26th August. Importantly, there's also a trading statement for the six months ending September, with the company already knowing that its headline earnings per share will be down between 15 and 25% for that period. Group turnover growth of 11.3% doesn't exactly look bad at first blush, but we need to look deeper to understand the issue. One area of concern is that like-for-like -like growth in TFG Africa was just 3.3%, which does not even cover inflationary pressures. The inclusion of the tapestry acquisition was a big boost for sales, but it also comes with a cost of debt and that puts pressure on earnings. Internationally, both the London and Australian businesses are coming off a high base, so turnover is lower in both. And to add to these concerns, gross margin in TFG Africa fell by 300 basis points as they cleared stock. This was obviously also a contributor to why HEPs came under pressure. A combination of weak sales growth and a decrease in margin is not fun for retailers. I'll now deal with Bidvest, where the second half of the financial year was all about generating cash. For the full year, revenue was up 15% and trading profits 17.6%. But here is the really interesting stat. Cash generated from operations was 12.2 billion rand for the full year, of which 10.4 billion was in the second half. This is a much better balance sheet outcome, and it supported dividend growth of 20.6%, which is ahead of HEPs growth of 17.7%. An increasing payout ratio in this environment is a good sign. And this performance was supported by solid results in various places, with seven divisions reporting double-digit trading growth. I'm finishing up with AVI, where it all looks good except for INJ. The hake just wasn't kind to shareholders, with that division reporting flat revenue and hence a nasty dropping operating profit of 36%. When fuel and other costs are through the roof, a sideways revenue performance just doesn't work. Elsewhere in the business, revenue is up by 9.3% overall, and operating profit was up 12.7%, so there's a solid margin story beyond the fishing business. If I look at these numbers and what I've seen from the likes of PepsiCo internationally in the past year, my thesis holds, and it goes like this. We are not as price-sensitive on our favorite snacks as many people think. When you feel like Baker's Biscuits or a pack of Doritos in the case of PepsiCo, you find those coins between the couch cushions and you pay a bit more. After all, life is just too short for unbranded calories. And that's a wrap. Please remember that nothing you hear on the Ghost Rap podcast should be taken as advice. Please do your own research and visit ghostmail.co.za for more insights into the market.